the SHSS podcast. Let's talk learning. Today's podcast features Callum Donnelly. Tell us a little about yourself. Hello, my name is Callum Donnelly. Uh, live in uh, Skibbereen, um, originally from Wicklow, but moved down here in uh, around 1999 and have been loving it ever since. I um, currently work for a company by the name of Waylay.io and I used to work for uh, the Ludgate Hub and I uh, also helped out with National Digital Week and I've done a few jobs up in Dublin for a couple of tech startups and I've also uh, set up my own tech startup in the past, which is a a long story. So what's your best memory of your school days? That's a really, really difficult question. I actually, it's a really, really strange one because my best memory isn't exactly one memory. It's probably one year in school, which strangely was the leaving cert. I actually really, really enjoyed it. I don't know why, maybe because you're at the top of the food chain. You kind of have a little bit more freedom. The teachers aren't exactly that harsh on you. If you kind of want to do well, you can do well. And I think it's just a, it was a good year, really, just for for motivation, for um, discovering what you wanted to do after school. It was kind of that freedom to think that, okay, I'm not doing subjects for the sake of doing subjects. I'm doing subjects because I want to do something after the school finishes. So I think overall, that was probably, probably one of my fondest memories. Also, you know, probably, there's also a lot, awful lot of memories that are probably not appropriate for podcasts, you know, that I probably wouldn't reveal, but, you know, every school experience has that. But no, I think overall sixth year is actually a great year that people shouldn't actually fear that much because you can really make of it what you want to make of it. And if things don't work out, there's so many other routes you can take. So it's a good year. What did you study at college and why? So I went into college in 2011, so I guess 10 years ago, which is interesting because we haven't actually been able to do our school reunion, our 10 year reunion because of COVID. But I went in in 2011 in kind of the um, height of the, I suppose, the recession, I guess. Interesting time. So I decided that I wanted to study government and public policy in UCC. So there's kind of two factors for that. I was really, really interested in economics. I was really interested in the general political landscape. And I thought that it would just be a great course to do. I loved it, I must say. When I first got in there, I thought that this is actually the the perfect course for me um, because it wasn't overly academic in every sense. There was a lot of your own opinion. There was an awful lot of, you could make of it what you wanted to make of it. You could pick subjects that were not the core subjects of the course that were all political. If, you, if I wanted to do something more businessy, I could do that. If I wanted to do something more, you know, um, accounting wise, I could do that. I could do something in, let's say, public health. I could go across the board and do a lot of different things. So, yeah, really, really enjoyed it. So would you mind telling us a bit about the Ludgate Hub? Like, what is it and why was it set up? Yeah, sure. So the the Ludgate Hub was really an idea set up in around 2014. There was kind of a meeting of some of the some key people in Skibbereen who, who, who have a lot of influence and they met up and they decided that we have so many young people and so much potential in Skibbereen and we constantly see all of this talent leaving West Cork. And it goes for all of West Cork. There's so many great people around the place. And the, the, the narrative was in the past was you would do your school in West Cork, you'd go to college, 
You'd probably then leave for Cork City, Dublin, London, New York. And then you might come back in your 30s or your 40s or 50s or retire here. And, you know, all of that talent was essentially leaving the whole area. And we thought that what if we could do something to keep some of that talent or not even keep, but at least nurture some talent that could essentially, we could say something great could come out of Skibbereen. And we had a lot of really, really good companies such as Spearline already working in the town. And we had a lot of people like John Field and Sean O'Driscoll, D Forbes, Oliver Farrell, um, Leonard Donnelly, um, and David Putnam as well. There was, and uh, I'm gonna be, if I forget a name, I'm in trouble there. So you might want to edit that out. <laughs> Um, but no, the, there, there was just such a fantastic uh, array of people that, that that basically wanted to help. And it was all about how do we foster a digital economy in Skibbereen? Because previously, you know, maybe Skibbereen might have been reliant upon retail because it's a market town. It might have been reliant upon farming. It might have been over-reliant upon tourism. And we thought that why not try to create a place where startups could come and be formed so that way if there was the next kind of economic impact that would hit the hit the country that maybe the digital edge might be able to compensate for it and i guess in a weird way i guess that it kind of was proven during COVID because we had already brought or retained or attracted so many people to Skibbereen to work remotely. We'd helped put down the infrastructure, the broadband, the, the remote working facilities that when COVID did hit and tourism did kind of take a plunge, at least there were a lot of people around the place working remotely, working for technology companies, working for themselves, starting their own businesses, or even if they couldn't actually um, travel to their place of work in the city or anywhere else, they could, at least they had the Ludgate Hub to have a, the broadband connectivity to actually be able to do their job properly. So it was a, I think it's kind of been proven that, that it was a good thing. What was National Digital Week and what was your role? National Digital Week. Yeah, that was a big one. That was back in 2015 and 2016. That kind of came out of a discussion sitting around a table kind of like this and saying, what can we do to promote West Cork and what can we do to promote the Ludgate Hub. And it was essentially a bringing together of the top minds in the technology sector and trying to get them to come all the way down to Skibbereen to essentially do a conference and meet a lot of people. And then we wanted to invite as many people as we could to the event. And essentially it was a rebranding of Skibbereen to say that we're building this hub the Ludgate Hub in Skibbereen. It's going to be Ireland's first um, digital, rural digital hub. And that National Digital Week was the showcasing event to say that this small town in West Cork can compete with any other large tech event or any other city or any other whatever that we are here. And this is essentially putting our flag down, claiming our territory, saying that if you want to do something innovative and not be in a city or not be in a, the usual environment, why not consider Skipperine? So yeah, National Digital Week happened in 2015. We were absolutely blown away by how many people actually turned up to the event. I think in the first year we had maybe a thousand people over the 
three, four days. And then we had nighttime events too, which we didn't count because that was just too much fun. And then, um, and then yeah, 2016, we had about 1,600 people over the few days. And we were really, really amazed with, um, with, with, with the level of sponsorship that we were able to actually uh, attract because the companies that we went out to say, would you like to sponsor our event? We're kind of intrigued because usually they get pitched uh, sponsorship from, let's say, a big tech event in a city where it could be kind of same old, same old, meet the same people. But this one was completely different. They were going to be putting their money and their investment and their time into sponsoring something that was so unique and was a really, really good thing to do for the whole area. And it was kind of a good message for all of rural Ireland to kind of say that it's not just cities, small towns, villages, you know, all around the country can essentially become these kind of digital leaders. Ireland's a small country, you know, we can definitely do it um, if, if we put our mind to it. That was kind of the message. And do you think um, things like the National Digital Week and the Ludgate Hub have encouraged people from all over Ireland to move to West Cork? I think it's most definitely a contributing factor. I think that given people, the fact that we put down the infrastructure and we put down the desk space and we put down this lovely, nice office to work in definitely gives people an option if they're looking on, on the websites or the, the rental property websites or the property websites to say, oh, look, I can get this lovely house, but I can also work in this top class office because I'm used to working in a top class office in wherever. Um, it definitely does help. And I think that as the more marketing that you could have done to basically keep on keep keep Skibbereen and West Cork in the national media, on the radio, maybe on, t on the TV and getting uh, politicians talking about it, influential people in technology talking about it. The more that you can get people talking about Skibbereen, the more it's going to go into people's head as an associated thought. So when you think of, oh, I need to go on holidays somewhere, but I also need to work, they're going to think, oh, West Cork is beautiful, but I can also work. And then I think once they experience that ability to work and live down here, that they might actually consider moving down here, which benefits everyone because more people, well, more people in the area, more of the rural schools get more populated. And generally it's an attraction of talent and new people, new ways of thinking, things like that. You know, you don't want to live in a stale environment. You need to have new people coming in all the time to keep it dynamic. And, um, and that way with new people coming in the whole time, there's more of a chance that good companies will be started. Because if you're starting a company with the same old people sitting around a table, I mean, you might be great friends or something like that, but you're not really going to have any type of unique view. So if you bring kind of a, a randomer into the room, you know, you're going to have a much better opportunity to look at the, the undiscovered opportunities and the experiences that they might have. So I think overall, bringing more people down, um, getting people mixing together, is going to start some great companies and a lot more people. And there's going to be a lot more success for the whole country if they can replicate that across the board. What motivated you to set up Partscribe? Well, I had been working with so many companies, trying to sell them the, the, startup, the startup dream and having the startup office and this work-life balance living down in West Cork that I kind of just got the... The, the kind of the buzz that I need to start a company now. I can't be telling people to start a company down in West Cork without actually having any experience of starting a company. And I also had a terrible experience um, 
in meetings. So, so the kind of the motivating factor for starting Parrot Stripe was that I used to jump on so many phone calls and I would be talking away and taking down notes and I couldn't read my handwriting. Okay. So if I had like 10 calls, I'd have like 10 pages of notes. And then people would ask me for a follow-up email as to what the hell happened on the phone calls. And I wouldn't be able to tell them. I'd have to rack my brain for a long time thinking, what the hell did I say to that person? What am I supposed to do? And I get things mixed up. And I just decided that, wait a second, I can use voice recognition technology to basically take my notes for me. And the whole idea, the initial step of the idea was that I would try to be as, I would try to summarize phone calls into brief bits of information that I could copy and paste and stick into emails. So that was the initial motivating factor that I, first of all, I wanted to experience building a startup. And secondly, I had a real problem with my own work life where I couldn't actually manage responding to people. And then after that, I guess it just kind of actually became a reality. I started to go out pitching the idea. I started to look to raise money from investors, from um, the likes of, uh, and then talking to the likes of Enterprise Ireland, the local enterprise office, trying to get my company on the, on the map, and then trying to find someone to help me build it because I couldn't build it all myself and uh, finding companies that might be partners in it. So that was kind of the why I kind of started uh, Pariscribe and where it kind of started to go. Um, what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs? I think, and it's not just an advice for young entrepreneurs, I think it's advice for all entrepreneurs that I've noticed and I've made the mistake myself, is that don't be too precious of your idea. I mean, there's a lot of things on TV that might make it out like, you know, Oh, I, I, I was sitting at a pub and I told this guy about my idea. And then look, a year later, he's built a company. The odds of that actually happening, that someone's going to take your idea and maybe actually go steal it or replicate it are probably pretty low. And I think that is good to actually talk to more people because you can basically find yourself in a, a bubble where you're building an application in secrecy. And by the time, if you don't talk to people or you don't like um, share the ideas of people, I mean, you're going to get no input and you're not going to really have any idea what you're actually building because you're not interacting with people. So I wouldn't be afraid of actually talking to people and being open about what you're doing. I mean, proud of it. And I think that even comes down to work, you know, like if you're putting a lot of effort into something, um, you should be proud of it. Um, if, if, it, if you feel proud of it, you know, don't be afraid to share it. I mean, a lot of people will actually take an interest and the majority of people will actually help you in that journey. So I think just be, just be open with people and um, take their ideas on board and just get out there. I think, um, you know, and a lot of startups and young entrepreneurs maybe find that they, they keep on building, 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 building and not getting selling. And that's something that I fell into the trap of where I was a perfectionist that I kept on saying, it's not ready to show anyone or it's never going to actually work when it's actually, when I say it's going to be ready. So you can get yourself stuck in this constant circle of perfection, which is never going to actually deliver anything. So get your product out as quickly as possible into people's hands, even if it's crap get it out. Because I think um, the founder of LinkedIn said that if you're happy with, like it's a quote from him, so he said, 
if you're happy with your product, you've already missed the boat because essentially the opportunity is probably gone by the time you've perfected it. So get out there. So describe a typical day in your life. <laughs> I have an interesting. So sometimes I work at home. Sometimes I work from the office and uh, you know, I'm not a great morning person. I have to be honest. You know, I think everyone always has this perception that entrepreneurs and people working in tech wake up at five in the morning, go for a run. Not a hope. I hate the mornings. I really, really do hate the mornings. So I, I wake up slowly, go for a shower, I guess. Try to wake myself up. First thing is coffee. I'm always like, even if I'm running late for things, I'll always try and get a coffee. I was running late today and I had to run and get a coffee. You know, I, I'm kind of a, mad for coffee. And then I guess it's just trying to set up your day, clear your head a little bit, because sometimes emails can just fill up your inbox. And that is such a daunting thing. I, I really, really don't do not like waking up to see stacks of emails. So trying to sift through that, trying to also then, uh, I guess, get the day going, try to get as many meetings going with people because I work in business development. So a lot of LinkedIn messaging, a lot of searching for people and try to classify and uh, qualify leads. Um, and then I should have lunch, but Sometimes that kind of drifts away. I probably should do it though. And then I actually do try to finish at five. Um, I do try to, I'm very, very strong on a work-life balance. So um, yeah, and then I usually watch TV or else if I got the time, I'm 29, but I still love playing Call of Duty. Um, so I love playing Call of Duty uh, with, with a couple of my friends online. So that's kind of like, a, I don't know, I should really be growing up and moving on, but like, I enjoy it. <sighs> yeah, yeah, but I don't do that every night. Like I don't play golf, honestly, no. Um, so what are the highs and lows of your job? That's really tough. I actually love my job. I think when you work in business development, it's all about getting momentum and getting people to essentially start talking to you uh, and getting them on a, on a call. You know, so if you, if I, what I love doing is when I open up my calendar and I see that it's stacked with potential calls, potential people to meet, leads, things like that. I mean, that's just such a, and when you get, when you jump on those calls and it all goes great, the feeling of encouragement and kind of pride that you have in yourself is, is, is a huge thing. But then on the other side of things is that when things don't go that well, you might open up your calendar on a Monday and see that you've only got one meeting. That's kind of a little bit demotivating. So that's probably the hardest thing about working in sales or business development is that you kind of have to keep on pushing, 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 pushing. And sometimes it's not really going to work out and you got to find other things to basically push harder, find new people, find new people to talk to. And that's probably, and that could be, that's probably the lowest point of, uh, of, uh, of, of working in business development or sales. Do you have any future plans? Oh, that's really tough, but I do have a lot of things, aspirational things I'd like to do. I, I'd love to, one of, one of my real passions is I love old architecture. I love old buildings. Um, I'd actually love to renovate something that someone thinks is beyond saving, you know, something that's going to be an absolute mess 
that someone would be like, oh no, I'm not getting involved in that. I love seeing old things and, and seeing the value and that's behind the clutter, what's behind the the mold, what's what's behind the broken glass, what's behind the the crumbling veneer. Um, I love that. So like in the future, I'd love to find an absolute gem of a property uh, to slowly do up properly. Um, and uh, I also love cars. So um, I know that it's probably not really a, a popular thing to say with the whole climate thing, but like I love old, um, old big engined cars from like the 1970s, 80s, things like that. So I'd love to get myself a really, really nice classic car. Also kind of that kind of old school restoring process. I'm not any good at restoring cars. I'd probably have to get someone else to do it, but I'd love to think that I would be able to do it. That's something that I would love to do in the future. And also just general, uh, I'd love to um, keep on doing well in my career. I'd love to just uh, really, really make, like I'd love to land a really, really good deal. You know, that's something in the immediate term future, I'd love to be the, the initiator or the, the, the leader to essentially get something good that would benefit the whole company. I mean, that's the ultimate motivation in my job is to try and land something big. And that's probably the most immediate term thing. And would you say you have a hero? Well, yeah, I think the majority of people do say, you know, their parents or their mom or their dad. I would probably put them in my hero categories because they are fantastic people. I think everyone's parents always do such a great, great job. Um, but yeah, no, I really, really look up to, to both of them. I think that they do, uh, they, they, they did a good job bringing me up and I'm very, very proud to, to say that I'm their son. In terms of other heroes, I always thought that uh, Charles Stewart Parnell was quite an interesting hero. Uh, I thought that he he did a very, very good job with the whole home rule thing. And uh, I think that uh, it's, it's, he did a very, very interesting job managing things. And I think that it's just, a, he had an interesting life. I'm not too sure it's a hero, but it's just someone I'm very, very interested in, in learning about. I don't exactly have one specific hero outside of uh, my parents. Um, do you have a favorite motto? Times of adversity are also times for growth. Essentially, that if you're under pressure, you're gonna be growing. But if you're not under any pressure, you're not challenging yourself, you're not exactly um, pushing yourself to be what you could be and what you could uh, become. So I think always pushing yourself, feeling a little bit uncomfy is always a good motivating thing to making yourself do better. And what advice would you give your teenage self? I suppose do what you want to do. I mean, don't be pushed into something that you, don't, you do not want to do. Um, whether that be job wise, whether that be like friends groups, you know, have the, the courage to actually stand up to someone and say, you know, go away in a, in a more grumpy sense. Um, <laughs> but I think that's very, very important. You have to do it. Yeah. There's some people that deserve it. And I think some young people and myself even, you know, you, you get dragged along by certain people that you think are your friends or your, your mentors or your, your people you, you actually trust. But then when you start to see something, if you start to feel that they're not giving you the respect that you give them, I think that you need to be, I would say to myself as a younger person, this is even not that long ago, I would say, is to actually have the courage to say, no, over with this. You can go your way, I'm going my way.
you know, I can do this by myself. I don't need you. So I think that to be able to have the ability to say to someone that you're not happy is really, really important. So thank you so much for coming in today. It was lovely talking to you. We had a great time and good best of luck in the future. Thank you for having me. Very, very much enjoyed the conversation.